All right. So PG-13 movies are allowed to have one F-bomb in them. One. Now, for example, on my question here on the warm-up, Harry Potter is PG-13. You get to place one F-bomb in any of the movies. What is your spot to put that F-bomb? Ooh. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> <laughs> the the easiest spot i think is in the very first harry potter um which is a big risk on a franchise like that to drop an f-bomb yeah. in the very first one because i'm pretty sure that one's pg i don't think that one was pg-13 but it might have been pg because it wasn't dark enough right the later That's ones fair. are dark enough to be like yeah let's make it pg-13 but point being i am going to say that when harry is picking out his wand with the the wand, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. Ollivander. Ollivander, yes, yes. <laughs> Ollivander just goes, fuck, no, not that <laughs> one. <laughs> nope, fuck. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good spot. That's a good spot. Yeah. Yep. I was thinking uh, when in the second book, the second movie, mm-hmm. when, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Professor Lockhart, when he turns Harry's arm into, uh, he removes all the bones from his arm. I think that is the best spot for everybody around him to say that word in unison. So I think it <laughs> still only counts as all, one. All of the students just being like, "Fuck!" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's good. Yeah, I like I it. That would be a good spot for it. That's a great spot. We could just keep going through the movies. Yeah, yeah, we could go through more of that. Yeah. Um, Hagrid would, would just be great. I think Hagrid I should needs not to have fucking one. said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, that's the first movie, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, now you're swearing in front of children. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. I think that works. Hey listeners, we are the Dude Scouts. We drink beers, talk about things, award made-up badges, and most importantly, never take ourselves too seriously. Check us out on Instagram, throw us a follow, and please subscribe on whichever platform you choose to listen to us on. Thanks for being a fan. Cheers. Welcome back to another episode of Dude Scouts. Andrew, how's it going? I am ready to ring in another year as a Dude Scout. Ah, it's you know, we could celebrate a full year of podcasting. We uh I will say we didn't get as many episodes up as we uh thought we would, but we also had some twists and turns this year that we didn't think we were gonna have. So cheers to that. Yeah. All right. Well, Andrew, you know I'm gonna ask you, what are you drinking? So I am drinking wild spruce chase by bells Ooh, yeah so this is an india pale ale with spruce tips okay so i already describe india pale ales as like drinking a spruce tree yeah this one just they they decided to go for it (laughs) they just put let's drop the charade (laughs) it is what it is (laughs) it's a spruce tree it's a spruce tree you're drinking liquid spruce tree and uh i find it delicious all right my wife does not 
I, and that's, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that means they're safe in that fridge for you, right? Yeah. Uh, what are you I drinking? I I am drinking another shorts beer because you know me. I I'm a shorts guy. Hey, we like through. to we like to support the Michigan brands, right? We do. We really do. Bells, yeah. Shorts, Founders, um, Atwater. Let's list mm-hmm. off a couple more. Uh, you know, I really am actually a fan. Uh, it's not even Michigan, but it's close by. It's called Three Floyds. Uh, they're they're super good if you haven't tried them out. But uh, let's see the other Michigan breweries that I'm really a fan of. I got to go with uh, New Holland and Dragon's Milk. Mm-hmm. Those two right there. New Holland puts out a really good beer. I was, uh, let's see, Petoskey Brewing, actually. I can, and uh, Rockford Brewing as well. Now, those. I have not had Rockford Brewing. I forgot about, um, yeah, Petoskey, Petoskey Brewing, because I think we did talk about that um, in, in, in the, the brewery, the building that they yes. that they have right now. We did, yep. yes. Petoskey Brewing. They've 100 some... years without being a brewery and now it's a brewery again yeah absolutely a century without it and they were like let's bring it back finally yeah. i think they missed us long enough <laughs> uh rockford brewery uh you know they have their yeast flavor because every the thing that makes a brewery is the flavor of the beer right mm-hmm. and you'll notice that like bells all bells taste somewhat similar uh, at least that aftertaste is like that. And that's because that yeast and their cleaning protocols and stuff like that. Well, Rockford has its own unique taste. While I don't like it in most of their beers, some of their beers, it works really well with. Like they uh, they have this Mouth's Premium Lager. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a good craft light beer, it's a great go-to. Actually, I recommend drinking it on a golf course because that's like the perfect time to drink that. Hmm. And then they also, Rockford does a really cool thing with local farmers and their uh, berries or fruits. And I know that you remember Aaron Trapp. Yep. One year, they made a rhubarb rattler with the Trapps Farms rhubarb. And I got to say that rhubarb rattler was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And then they did the same thing with blueberries off the Trapps Farm as well very good yep because i I think they mostly do berries that's typically what i've seen from from the trap farm yes um so anyways though i distracted you what are you specifically drinking today Um, shorts (laughs) yes okay so this is a sour from shorts and they do a very good sour if you see a sour from shorts pick it up this one is called exterior illumination it's an american sour ale brewed with cranberries black currant and northern michigan blue spruce tips uh, every time <laughs> uh, yes so but i will say this one while the spruce tip is very light in there and that sour kind of covers up a little bit of that harshness mm-hmm. you can taste the cranberries you can taste the black currant and you can taste that spruce in there all with a little sour kick on the end which i enjoy so cheers to the dude scouts and a new year for a whole year Woo! a full year rather um so we already passed our one year because we did start a little bit earlier in the, we did, the fall yes. of 2020. Yeah, we're already but, a year old. Um, we are we are reaching our hazardous stage. We're getting mobile. Um, <laughs> so um, my my first question for you is, how'd you do on the New Year's resolutions that we set for ourselves last year? I have actually done pretty well for my New Year's resolutions. Uh, my goal was to start school, start classes. We can check that box, bada bing, bada boom, finish that first semester. Uh, now, it was only two classes. It was, uh, well, technically three classes if you count the lab. Uh, and, you know, I ended, 
yeah we'll, we'll get that yeah all right thank you yep. uh and so with those three classes i ended up finishing out with uh over 90 percent in both classes so i'll take that as a victory that's awesome because you're yeah. working multiple <laughs> jobs at the same time so i that is now it is newer that i'm working multiple jobs um, more recent, I got through the main part of the semester working one job and then towards the end of the semester, picked up a second job and then just recently picked up a third job. Because, you know, exams aren't hard enough. Yeah, you just got to well. add a little wild card in there. Yeah, and that's sleep absolutely. deprivation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, I, and then what were your other goals? I, I think you had one other one. I had two other goals. Two other the, ones. Okay. The, uh, the second goal was not met. It was actually, I am farther away than what I started at. That was to gain weight. I believe I said I wanted to be 100 and, 160 pounds or something like that. I ended up dropping a few more pounds, which is, you know, it's a struggle, but mm -hmm. I'm not losing, not, not, ah, not losing focus on that goal. And then my third goal was to read at least 10 books this year. Guess what? You got to nine. Oh no, I've surpassed 10. Well, so you're doing audiobooks that we're counting those too though, right? Well, so kind of. I okay, yes, I've gotten to 9 books read that are paper books and then I have gotten to I don't know 15 or sorry, another 6 books on top of that that are audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Uh I'm currently reading the 10th book. I don't know that I'll have it finished by New Year's Eve. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hold through and say that I can read more of it. I, I don't mm -hmm. think I'm gonna finish it. I don't have the time to finish it before New Year's Eve. It's just <laughs> too much, oof. too much to do. Yeah, it's so much going on. So, um, I recall one of my goals was finishing my degree, my master's yes. degree, which I did. High five! In virtual high five. Um, and it will be played. You know. That virtual high five will be played multiple times. So it's really actually, uh, <laughs> it's almost better than an actual high five, but not quite. Yes. Um, so I finished in uh, the end of June and with a yeah pretty solid GPA. I was pretty proud of it. Um, got some skills from it that are actually going to be very relevant to my uh, new job role, which is going to be more in the kind of analytical and design um, uh, route of engineering rather than the implementation part of it, which is what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, and so, how long have you been doing the implementation aspect? Uh, I've been doing, so we call that application engineering. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, basically, it's you're implementing um, projects, um, yeah. right? And so I've been doing that for about five years. Okay. Um, five and a half. So now I'm going to be doing the behind the scenes work that's more like, okay, how do we make something new or, or optimized or things like that um, so that we you know, can implement better things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that'll probably, I got to brush up on programming. Um, but anyways, so one of my goals was to learn French because part of it was because I was working with French customers Yes. in that, in that role that I was doing. And then once I knew that it was kind of not going to happen, <laughs> I really <laughs> <laughs> floundered on that goal. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Hey, well, once I knew know, I was going to be changing job roles, so it was kind of like, Oh, yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all is forgiven. All is forgiven. And then the other stuff, the other one was just working on projects in my house. Um, so, and I, I, I don't think I, I mentioned a couple of the projects that I'm working on, but I didn't get specific on timelines because I know for every hour you think you're going to be doing something, you got to at least double it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of how it works. And sometimes you got to triple that amount of time based on. Uh, exactly. A lot of it's that you, there are things you just don't know yet. 
And that might be a skill or that might be a problem. <laughs> well, so now, now begs the question, how many projects have you started and finished? And then how many projects have you started, but have yet to finish? Uh, so I've done uh, one full egress window yep. and then a second window that was just um, basically still a foundation window, but I, I made it deeper. So it's mm -hmm. a bigger window. So it lets in more natural light. Um, and I mean, those are not small tasks. Nope. Uh, you know, those are, you know, I, and I hand dug the hole like for the egress myself. Um, so that hole was literally uh, seven and a half feet deep. Like, yeah. Like I got to the footing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Whew. I renovated a bathroom and, and uh, right now all I'm working on is the cabinets. All I'm working on is the cabinets, I say, <laughs> um, but they're custom cabinets. So like I'm literally building the cabinets myself. Um, which... I believe there was some framing as well. In the basement, yes, I've been framing the basement so that I can put up walls and and yes. then you know have it look like a nice living space. Yes, rather than a I don't know what it looks like right now, but dungeon, dusty dungeon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from all the concrete dust. Yes, yes, naturally, <laughs> naturally. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a lot. You know, there's some portions that of projects that I get like 90% of the way <laughs> done. I'll be honest, like, like the, the bathroom, I'm like, I don't have a tabletop for the sink yet. The countertop, I don't have it yet. Uh, cause we're, we're going to do like a concrete one. Okay. And I'm like, that's going to take like a, that's going to take a weekend. And I just don't want to lose any steam on what I'm doing right now with the basement. So, yeah. Um, but the shower works, the toilet works, you know, there so it's like, go. it's like partially functional. I'm like 90% there and I'm just like, yeah, whatever. you can do, you can do everything, <laughs> but clean your hands. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even then you could, you just gotta use the clean them in the shower <laughs> or the toilet water. I mean, I don't, you know, nah, whatever. Yeah, whatever your preference is. <laughs> yeah. We're not here to judge. Yeah. We won't judge. You're, you're trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're making the attempt and that's what matters. Uh, all right. So all right, my, my question. question. Okay. So, Andrew, you have been put in charge of your company's winter sport group. Now, what this means is that you are going to pick a sport for people of your company to sign up for to play. Your company's paying for everything just to give them a little, uh, you know, holiday boost and get them through the slow season here in Michigan, get them through that rough time, but, you know, keep some com camaraderie going. So you're in charge. What sport? that you pick do you think could get the most signups and which sport do you think would get the least signups? Okay. So I, I just have to say like, first thing that came to mind while you're saying this images in my head, <laughs> downhill skiing with paintball. <laughs> Is that for the least amount of signups? You know, I haven't decided that yet. <laughs> um, you have some wild, wild uh, coworkers there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'd say, Oh, probably like a broom ball type thing, like so something where you're not using actual skates, um, just so you don't okay. actually have to have skating skills. Um, okay. So I'd say broom ball and then downhill skiing, well, or snowboarding paintball. with paintball. That, that gets the least amount of signups. I, you know, that probably gets the most questions and most enthusiasm, yes. but probably the least amount of signups. Yeah. Yeah. The least amount of people that'll actually sign up for. Especially it. when fair. I tell them, like, so wow, there's a ski place that'll let you do that. And I'm like, I wouldn't say let you, <laughs> but it's on the company's dime and we are paying a very high price for this ability. Yeah. All right. What about well, you? So for my answers, uh, it, which it's not nearly as fun now, 
<laughs> I was thinking for the most amount of signups, if I was going to present this to my coworkers would be bowling. Mm. Bowling is what I could get the most amount of signups for. For sure. Uh, Beer, you know, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's yep. a very non-athletic, you know, I don't want to say it's a non-athletic sport, but you don't have to run and jump and you really don't have to be all that athletic. Yeah. Any cardio you do is self-imposed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the least amount of signups was synchronized swimming, as in <laughs> you're performing ballet in the water. That is what I think is going to get the least amount of signups at my my place of employment. Yeah, uh, you think uh, Frank in accounting is going to want to turn upside down and then show his legs off to the world? I think he would be best off to do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know better in this circumstance. Yeah, he's got some powerful legs, man. Yeah. I want to tap into that potential. Yeah. Like Logan, Logan is management material right here. <laughs> oh. um, all right. So my question that'll help us transition into our topic is if you could meet any author dead or alive, who would it be? You know, it's actually funny. You mentioned this because I was thinking about it today while I was in the shower and it could just be because I've been listening to the books, but I actually believe that it's, it's different than that. Uh, it's J.K. Rowling. You're thinking JK... about J.K. Rowling while you're in the show. Well, all right. That sounds weird. <laughs> I was thinking about having conversations with her. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking about how I'd really like to sit down and talk with her about why or like how she came up with an entirely new world inside of what already exists in the world. And kind of the brain process that went through creating things like Horcruxes and creating multiple magical schools and Mm -hmm. creating new animals and a whole book of spells and wands and creatures and stuff like that. Now, obviously she was took from other mythical um, realms and stuff such like that, but I I thought it'd be really cool to sit down and actually like hear how it was created to hear Hmm. how that all kind of, kind of came together because she I mean, she wrote seven books on this world and each one of them gets better than the last, except for the fifth but <laughs> kind of drops down and then goes back up. Yeah. But was, you got to yeah. do that. You got to do that in the, you know, the penultimate or close to the, the you end, right? To. Right. Yeah. You got to, you, know. you got to have that little dip and dive. Yep. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. She, it, it is interesting that she created a world in which it is with it. It is like part of this world. So, cause, cause yes. a lot of times when they do magic, and there's a, so, there's a there's a there's a magic realm that's yes. completely separate and you're creating a tunnel between the two whereas as in in this case i mean they they kind of with with diagon alley they they kind of like make it seem like that yeah. but in actuality the the worlds are side by side like they're yeah. they are one and the same they're just hidden by muggle repellents and other yeah. magical exactly things. which is yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting ways to to create a world is inside of our world that we already know, which I, maybe that's what makes it feel more real mm-hmm. because it could be out there. It could be down that dark alleyway that you don't ever want to walk down. Yeah. Now, I don't recommend walking down that dark alley because most likely it's just going to be a dark alleyway. Maybe don't walk <laughs> down those, but... Just to find out if if J.K. Rowling was truly correct, which was it was not like a hypothesis. It was fiction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's who I'd want to sit down and talk to. What about you? Who uh, who are you sitting down to talk to? Um, Oh, gosh, there are. um, So so I think the easiest one for me right now 
would be uh, um, Ryan uh, Holiday, who is ba- he's basically spent the last 12 years just studying and writing about stoicism. Oh, so, OK. Um, that yeah. would definitely be. That's who you want to sit down and talk with. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I would have a lot of a lot of fun. Nice. All right. Talking what, with him. what are you drinking? Tea? Coffee? Cappuccino? Uh, you know, I don't know if he drinks beer. I assume he would, but he might be too disciplined for that or some garbage like that. Yeah, I feel like you ought to be <laughs> sitting there drinking a, a large mug of tea. Yeah. I imagine that's what I would I would drink with JK Rowling is either that or butter beer. Butter beer. There you go. Butter beer or and yeah. then I, I like how he did this because clearly like we would really like to meet um J.R.R. Tolkien. Well, yes, clearly I would love, love to talk to him. It's kind of a cop out, you know. It's like it's but I also, obvious. yeah, a lot of people would love to talk to um, Tolkien. But uh, I think the reason I didn't go with Tolkien is I don't know that I would actually be able to have a conversation with the guy. That's true. He is kind of a, he's a quirky dude. Well, very quirky, but also uh, there's, there's going to be a language barrier when you're talking 1920s versus today's language. And, and so... I mean, a bit of a language barrier. I don't yeah. know if there's that much, but I can't say that's rad. <laughs> He's stuck. I understand what that means. It's totally tubular. Totally tubular. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Andrew, let's dive in here. We're talking about books. Yep. So this is kind of, I mean, Logan definitely started this with last year's thing, but this is, I, I think moving forward, this is going to be like one of our things is that we're just going to, we're going to set a goal to, you know, read books or listen to books. Um, And then we're going to hopefully periodically we'll do a couple episodes throughout the year where we talk about those books. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, I, the first book that ever caught my attention and I can remember it clear as day because I know I, it was at the the school book fair, if you remember those. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get something. And my dad told me that I could get a book, but I could, I couldn't get any of the, you know, random ass junk that they have just set up everywhere Mm -hmm. he was like you can get a book and i got james and the giant peach that book was amazing james (laughs) and the giant if you've never read james and the giant peach read it it's a good book it really is but that's what kind of sparked my uh my want to read and then throughout the years i've not read a ton up until about college that's when i started reading the harry potter books phenomenal i was 23 years old when i read those they're as good then as they are now, it's just still oh, mm-hmm. great books. Um, but then, uh, yeah, going into uh, 2021, I was like, I really need to push myself to read more. All this this time that I've got, I should be reading. And so I sat down to read 10 books. And I'm, I'm not going to give you all nine of the books that I've read that are on, on paper, but I'll give you my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. So the... Art of Racing in the Rain, which I've read prior to this year, but I wanted to read it again. That one is by Garth Stein. Highly recommend. It's from the viewpoint of a dog. Uh, and it's his interaction with the human world. And it feels like it's a fiction story, but it feels like a real story. It feels real. Um, I read Molly's Game, which I don't know if you've seen the movie, but if you have seen the movie, you understand it's about poker. And this woman basically creates a poker franchise. And kind of a poker underground world is kind of what I want to say. And this is a true story. It's not fiction, not made up. Uh, huh, but So this isn't, is, is this kind of like the, the Will Ferrell uh, movie? Oh, though. 
Will for a movie or TV show? There's a um no, there's a a movie where um him and oh just a second, just a second, I gotta look it up. So him and Amy Poehler. So so Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler run a underground casino in their house. Oh, because they're getting foreclosed on or something like that. Yes. I can't remember the plot device that that forces them to do that. But okay, so kind of, but imagine that, but for celebrities and the ultra wealthy. She ran an so underground. Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. No, <laughs> yes, basically, she ran an underground poker ring for celebrities and then it talks about her her use of drugs and how they kind of she she was anti-drug at the beginning she had all these morals and then slowly they started to fade away as she wanted more and more and more of the lifestyle she kind of got sucked into it and then she gets caught because of these mistakes that she ends up making on her own choices Uh, and because she just kind of gets lost in it anyway it's super good book and a great movie and then i did read the ballad of songbirds and snakes it is the prequel to the hunger Games series okay so if you're familiar with the hunger games books they're phenomenal books but this was the prequel and it's all about president snow who is kind of the main protagonist of those books and movies well no so president snow is the man main antagonist antagonist not he's the antagonist antagonist. and so it's a it's interesting that they're doing a prequel about the antagonist he is the protagonist in his sequel and you kind of see him start to become the antagonist uh Uh, so yes so that is where my brain was going uh because he is just a kid he's a teenager in this book and anyway it's a phenomenal setup it's it's hard to read like, as in it's kind of gory and you can tell it's kind of raw and not refined or unrefined mm-hmm. versus the hunger games books where everything is more refined which also kind of tells something about president snow which is kind of cool uh and hmm. then you know i'm gonna say the last the last book that uh really i think really helped out a lot this year and i know i mentioned it before and I heard about it on Corey and Bones' podcast, The Weekly Warrior First, was The Crossroads of Should and Must. And so that is a book. It's I wouldn't call it fiction or nonfiction because it's kind of more self-help-ish, mm-hmm. but also self-discovery, stuff like that. Um, and it's from L. Luna. And it's Anyway, uh, I highly recommend it. It it forces you to kind of go outside of your comfort zone and forces you to, it doesn't force you, but it it pokes you and prods you to do things that you might not want to do otherwise or might not think to do. So super good book. Hmm. So Very not, not in like a, I dare you to do this type of way, but it's a... No, it, yeah, it more just asks you questions uh-huh. and asks if you're willing to find out those answers. And it really did. It, it poked me and prodded me to do those things. And I did them. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why I ended up signing up for school and therapy uh, at the same on the same day and doing all that stuff. And then taking on new jobs, it's kind of pushes you out of that comfort zone a little bit. So, so interesting. Yeah. I might have to pick that one up. That... I have an extra copy, Andrew. I'd be happy to give it to you. Excellent. Excellent. Next time I see you. All right. So I am a uh, so, so I kind of had the opposite experience of Logan in the, um, you know, uh, childhood books development kind of thing. So in elementary school, you know, you go and you be able to pick up books and if you, 
if you read a certain amount of books, like it helped get you access to other books. And you know, they had some weird system yeah. like that. Well, I, you know, they, in elementary school, they really push uh, fiction books. Yes. Which, you know, for some reason, like I love a good story. Mm-hmm. I just not on paper. I don't know why I, I don't like fiction on paper. I just, huh. it's like, I absolutely love reading nonfiction. You know, if you had given me a scientific, you know, study written at a, you know, for some godforsaken reason, written at a third grade level, I would have been like third grade. Me would have been like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. I'm all over this stuff. <laughs> right. My textbooks loved reading those. I hated reading all of the extra like, you know, stories and things like that. It just wasn't my huh. uh, for some reason it just wasn't my thing. So uh, themes kind of going to stay here. So I'm going to talk about three books and none of them are fiction. <laughs> they are all nonfiction. <laughs> Um, but they are really, I think, uh, powerful in shaping, uh, uh, an understanding of the world. Um, yes. And so the first one is, um, called the economist hour, false prophets, free markets, and the fracture of society. Yeah. So pretty big, like right yeah, out of the gate there. It's, yeah. It's, it's quite the title. Yeah. So this one I'll, I'll admit was an audio book, but it was very difficult to listen to as an audio book. It's extremely dense. That seems um, like it would be interesting or hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but bas- basically, it, it, you know, so so I'm just going to read a quick synopsis on this. Um, so this it's the story of how economists who believed in the power and the glory of free markets transformed the business of government, the conduct of business, and as a result, the patterns of everyday life. In the four decades between 1969 and 2008, these economists played a leading role in reshaping taxation and public spending and clearing the way for globalization. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so it's, it's all real stuff. That's very much indirectly tangible to our lives. You know, as much as we like to say that we are, um, that, that we like to imagine that we have a huge amount of independence mm-hmm. from uh, government and other institutions in our society. Yeah. The, the matter of the fact is that our opportunity is entirely based on the decisions made at that level. Um, but Basically, it's kind of neat because the book starts out with that economists were kind of these dorky accountants, basically, Mm -hmm. that they put in the back room. (laughs) Yeah. And that big business actually was not in league with economists. You know, CEOs didn't like economists. Business leaders did not like economists. So this would have been back in the Keynesian era of economics, which would have been, you know, the early 1900s. Um, And so basically, they were not bedfellows until, dun, 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 Milton Friedman who comes on and yep into the scene and then in the 60s and he uh he's a huge advocate for free markets which is basically just no regulation open trade agreements things like that um which basically ultimately kind of leads us to where we are today replaced high skill work with low cost imports was basically the substitution effect that we made Um, but but basically that milton freeman and business leaders of the day and today kind of like created an alliance essentially and so the book kind of alludes to that okay um and then the second book (laughs) kind of builds off of that (laughs) um this one's called winners take all the elite charade of changing the world so this is a book that's about how elites being those with a lot of economic power or a lot of influence maybe in the social realm right Mm -hmm. uh conceal the harm they do to society while using the the victims that that they help specifically through their own benevolence um as a shield to to say you can't question the system right um so an example of that would be 
you know, a, oh, we see it, we see it everywhere right now with uh, Starbucks, you know, spent a lot of time resources and, and uh, specifically money to prevent the unionization of a couple coffee shops Yeah, in Buffalo right now. You know, I know there's a lot of, you know, whatever about unions, but, but these are people who are taking uh, action to advocate for themselves yeah. in their work, right? Rather than just get a new job and say, well, I want my current job to be better, um, which would add value to their community. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, you know, Starbucks will say, oh, but we do all this charity work. And you're like, but you're using a fraction of that, <laughs> of that, um, of your, your profits to do charity. Yeah. And it's to kind of conceal the fact that you're doing a lot of harm to society by maybe avoiding taxes or other things like that. So it's it's it kind of really takes on this myth of the win win saying that basically, well, I can do this business idea. I can conduct it in any way I want. And as long as I help people out along the way, you know, it's a win win for society. And it's like Uh, it's not really defining the level of the win to the helping considerate win. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Those, but by using that to kind of say, well, what do you not want me to help people in um, poor neighborhoods in Philadelphia, even though you know I outsourced a bunch of steel jobs in Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like so. So it's a, the myth of the win-win is basically uh, what what the book is about, and I think it's just a really, uh, it's a really, uh, I think, elegant explanation of where we are as a society today. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and it's uh, it's done in a way that's kind of nonfiction, but then also fiction. So he uses a couple characters that okay. he creates, but only as descriptive, like he has helpers. a means to help describe yes. what it's like to be in the system. Vivid imagery. Yeah. Vivid imagery. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a fantastic book. It's a book that I will reread later on um, nice. in life for sure. And then the last one um, is the the obstacle is the way which is by Ryan Holiday, which is um, one of my now favorite authors. And so it's just a kind of a series of stoic stories and, and strung along this line of the obstacle is the way. Now, the obstacle is the way is it's based off of a Marcus Aurelius quote. So Marcus Aurelius being the one of the emperors of mm-hmm. Rome and, and a uh, stoic um, emperor at that. And so he, he has this quote called uh, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Um, now, specifically, that quote is in relation to people. So he's talking about how frustrating people can be, mm-hmm. um, but also recognizing that he needs people to get things done, right? Yeah. So the, the, basically what impedes the action becomes the way. Um, basically, the, the best way to describe this is actually a old Greek story. That okay. is there was a road into town. And so the king decided to block the road into town with a boulder and all sorts of town folks, villagers from outside tried to push on it and they couldn't get it. And they, they would just leave frustrated, you know, angry about this thing. Yeah. About moving the boulder. And so he's, the king's watching very voyeuristic of him, but he's watching this frustration. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a man comes up and then walks into the woods and so he's kind of like okay all right this guy's gonna figure it out and he comes back with a stick and he levers the the you know boulder out of the way and then underneath it is a pile or basically a bag of gold and there's some message and i can't remember what the message is but basically that the lesson is is that you know overcoming these great obstacles leads to 
you know, better things essentially. Huh. That, that, that growth, that, that suffering of, of, uh, and basically getting through that obstacle, that suffering is, is in the end, it's, it's growth. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a very good book. I would recommend that last one to anyone. The first two are just because I'm really nerdy and weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I have, I have, uh, one i don't know if you have your your copy next yeah so let me uh let me just go grab that okay so i wanted to talk about another book we've been reading andrew and we've been reading this one together thanks to you the daily stoic which happens to be ryan holiday and Mm -hmm. stephen hanselman uh so uh andrew and i were talking about this uh, a couple days ago about talking about the daily stoic and how we should pick out our favorite passage of this book. And so I'm going to share my favorite one with you. Now, this is a daily reader, as in you read it, and each page has a new, for the day, um, what would you say, a, a Stoic philosopher's kind of message for the day? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my favorite one that I've read so far, now keep in mind, I got this in June, so I was already half the year behind. When I started, so I still have the other half to read starting November 1st, or sorry, January 1st. Yes, November 1st, <laughs> the <laughs> Michigander New Year, of course. That's true, New Year. <laughs> yeah, we, we like it because it's, you know, it's a little bit better weather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's from August 13th, and it's Take Charge and End Your Troubles. Now, the, the reading from Marcus Aurelius reads, You've Endured Countless Troubles all from not letting your ruling reason do the work it was made for. Enough already. And then what it says underneath is how many things you fear have actually come to pass? How many times has anxiety driven you to behave in a way you you later regret? How many times have you let jealousy or frustration or greed lead you down a bad road? Letting our reason rule the day might seem like more work, but it saves us quite a bit of trouble. As Ben Franklin's proverb put it, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Your brain was designed to do this work. It was meant to separate what is important from what is senseless, to keep things in perspective, to only become troubled by that which is worth becoming troubled about. You only need to put it to use. Now, the reason why I picked that one as my favorite is because I have been doing a lot of that this year, of letting my, my reasoning my ruling reason make the decisions instead of that procrastination monkey in my brain that animalistic side of me that wants to do all the fun things i've had to channel that ruling reason and ask my brain what should i really be doing in this moment Mm -hmm. and i will say it's it's been very powerful in my life making those ruling reason decisions yeah so that's that's a a pretty constant theme in there's a couple other Greek philosophies, but that's a constant theme. But but in Stoicism in particular, that your logic reasoning is is essentially the one like thing that you have, right? And that's basically kind of the control of your own thoughts and to yes. think logically. And that's kind of like thinking logically is what separates you from animals. But it's also kind of weird because it's that logic reasoning is what is natural, right? Like that's yes. your natural state is to be a well-reasoned person. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That kind of plays off a little bit of the, um, so g- give attention to any action that's proportional to the consequence of that action. Yes. It's like, there's no value in imagining suffering some consequence that's really disproportionate to 
uh yeah what, what, what might actually happen yeah yeah and that might be like you giving a speech and then everyone laughing you out of the room now if you're doing stand-up comedy that might actually happen <laughs> but that's what you but like matter. booing maybe yeah. instead like that might actually happen but but you know if you're just doing a speech for for class as an example it's actually pretty low pressure most people are not even paying attention yeah right and so you shouldn't get butterflies to the point that it cripples you right exactly. i think a certain amount of nerves is like actually just having the psychological thought of, you know, this is just my, I'm feeling nervous, but this is just my body being ready, yes. right? Being alert. Yep. And then when you think of it that way, you're like, it's calming. But yeah, but that, that, that yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> you know, you're not doing stand up comedy. You're just giving I'm a not. speech in class, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. You could, yeah, I, I think could. you could do stand up <laughs> comedy. Um, I don't know that I could, but you could <laughs> do stand up comedy. Um, I think together we could do all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this one, uh, there's, so there's two, and I'm just going to read the quote parts on this okay. one, but they're, they're yeah. actually they're literally back to back. So it's, it's one day after another. And so this is, um, March 24th and 25th. Right. And so it says, um, eat like a human being, drink like a human being, dress up, marry, have children, get politically active, suffer abuse, bear with a headstrong brother, father, son, neighbor, or companion. Show us these things. Uh, so we can see that you truly have learned from the philosophers. And then the next day is um, freedom isn't secured by filling up your heart's desire, but by removing your desires. Um, and so I have both of these bookmarked and they're right next to each other. Um, That's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they kind of in a weird way work together. Yeah. I like that. The next one basically is like, it's, it reminds me of, so this is the, again, the freedom isn't secured by filling up your heart's desire, but by removing your desire. And this actually goes back to, and I'm going to give everyone a little civics lesson here as if uh -huh. economist books wasn't enough here. <laughs> um, but remember FDR's speech during the Great Depression, the, the freedom, the four freedoms, right? Yes. Now there's freedom of speech, but then one of those things was freedom from fear, right? Yeah. And so that's, a, that's, that's kind of the same, along the same lines, right? Is that you're removing... Uh, certain desires because you don't want to be beholden to them or obviously in the language of the stoics it was you don't want to be a slave to them because obviously that was like totally a thing back then that they were yes. okay with um <laughs> <laughs> but but then they you know um i think there's actually this one yeah both of these are actually by epictetus which is a perfect example sorry i'm really geeking out about this right i now. love it i love it um but epictetus was actually a slave at one point and so one of the stunning observations he makes is that there are masters, right? There are these people who are elites of their, of Greek society yes, or Roman society. I can't remember which society he was part of, but I think Roman. So that there are these masters that are beholden to their slaves, right? In a way, mm -hmm. which sounds really weird to say out loud, but that basically he was like, they're incapable. Like they literally cannot go through life the day-to-day -day life without the help of their slaves. So they are literally beholden. They're slaves to their slaves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the millionaires are billionaires and they are still beholden to money. This literally fictionary thing that does not, you know, it is not a skill. It is not a physical thing that is of actual value. Right. Yeah. And, and it, so it's just so weird because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, as a man, I should only be beholden to, God, family, and community. Those are like the three things, man. Like that's yeah. it. Fa somewhere between family and community is friends, right? But like, you know, basically 
you should be beholden to very few things and they probably shouldn't be material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's powerful stuff right there. That's yeah. Good. So that, that sing that last one, that singular thing is like, is like really good. Um, and then there's always the motivator that, uh, um, there's another quote that's really good, uh, that, you know, Marcus Aurelius, literally emperor of Rome, right. Mm -hmm. Talks about how he doesn't want to get out of bed one day. Right. And we all go through that, right. Everyone goes through that. Yeah. And then, um, he's, he's like, but wait a second, wait a second. Like you are here to do the work of a human. Right. And that was kind of like my, my first quote was all those kind of things. Right. Yeah. And so it's like through all of those things, you can show like who you are basically. Now they, now they, obviously they say, uh, Epictetus says that you have truly learned from the philosophers, right? Which is to a degree, right? You're reading this and you're like, can I put that into practice? And he talks about all these different things, eating and drinking, you know, obviously fun, but you don't want to overdo it. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, you know, you, you marry, have children, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like all these different experiences of, of being a human. Right. And it's like, those are all opportunities to show that you've got virtue in some way. And that is what we, that's what we're striving to do with. now we're pretty yeah. casual about it but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're here in our sweatshirts and sweaters and being casual but mm -hmm. no uh yeah i i highly recommend uh picking up uh the daily stoic or just reading something from the stoics because you never know what it's gonna uh spark you to do mm -hmm. or how it's going to change you but i guarantee it will in some way or, or the other um as it has done in mind, like I said, reading that that passage from Marcus Aurelius really kind of helped put things into perspective of allowing my reasoning to take over instead of that, you know, fun time monkey that just wants to do animalistic behaviors and do all the fun things and not any of the serious real things. Yeah, I, I guess it's a, I, and, and in that one in particular, I guess the way that you're describing it is like, does it align with your goals, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like align with what you want in out of life. Because it's like, well, like, yeah, like it'd be fun to go out tonight, but like, you know, I gotta like study because you know we're, I don't know, in in my case, it's like working on a project or something, or but but it could even be like date night, right? Because I yeah. know that I don't want to like, I don't want to, you know, be stressed out before date night or have to skip because yeah. I was working on some project that I should have been doing, but then yeah. you know decided to stay late at the bar or something. One <laughs> exactly night, right because everything links to the other, and yep. if you make that decision to go out and stay out late and drink too much. And then you sleep in and then you're stressed trying to get the things you got to get done so that you can enjoy the enjoyment time. And then you're not enjoying your enjoyment time because you're all stressed out. It all links together. And so if you just use that reasoning and you can see more of that end goal and the steps along the way, it's, it becomes easier to make those decisions that we consider smart decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I could too, I mean, obviously we could talk about your, uh, you know, you're schooling right now, right? That you're, yeah, you're basically, you kind of have figured out that path, right? I have, I, I have a path and I'm, I can see the finish line and I can see the steps that I need to take and the effort that it's going to take to get through that. And so now it's been making those decisions based on that path. Yep. And the obstacle is the path. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, that, that obviously picking up that third job while you're on break here between school, you know, gruesome, yeah. gruesome that you're doing it. I mean, <laughs> it's a grind. <laughs> I mean, here I am like, obviously like framing a basement on the weekend or like during the evening and, 
even I'm saying like, man, I'm not jealous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's it's gonna play out better in the end. So I I have the time. I might as well do it. So that's it's kind of where my brain was at. And so during this Christmas break, that is uh that's what my my day is like. It's 14 hours of work each day and one foot in front of the other and just going until and smiling while you do it. Yeah, exactly. Put a smile on your face. Cause if you're not smiling, then it's just sad. <laughs> but Whoa. I mean, there's something other than money to be gained from, from some of that work that you're doing too. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's so much more to be gained than just the, the financial security. It's, it's more, I'm proving to myself more than anything that I am capable of one doing that much with a day. Mm-hmm. And I can live without doing most of these things each day. And I can just schedule some of those fun activities then onto my free time. Now, very little as there is, but it spaces everything out better. And it allows me to get done the things that I need to get done in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, Andrew, what is something interesting from your week? Something interesting from my week. So we saw. Oh, I was hoping you were going to talk about this. The Canadian brass. Oh, how was it? Okay, so just to let everyone know, the Canadian brass is a comedic brass group quintet, basically. So there's a tuba, trombone, French horn player, two trumpet players. So it's a quintet, five members. Um, and they do comedy while basically playing classical music. Yes. So a lot of their comedy is, you know, basically they'll talk between songs and then they will play these songs that are, really clever rearrangements of certain you know things uh, certain songs that are classical yes. and uh it's an amazing experience um oh. there's only one original member that's the tuba player so the okay. tuba player uh started the group in like the 1970s so the dude's old he's like in his 70s now okay he yeah. was like 25 when he started that <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know there's like a part where they're they played a in this case, it was a Christmas themed, right? And so it was a Christmas theme. And they, they played this song that's not Christmassy at all. I think it was like, I can't remember, like, go tell it on the mountain. But then there's like the trombone player goes, you know what? I just realized there is one line of Jingle Bells in that song, <laughs> which reminded <laughs> reminded me of Logan playing <laughs> Raining Blood wherever he could fit it into a piece during Symphonic Band. Hey, whenever I did, I did, I did used to do that uh there are multiple points in different songs where you can fit the notes of raining blood into those songs <laughs> and you cannot tell that you just played raining blood with the rest of the band so yeah like for example even shenandoah <laughs> you can fit raining blood in there you may not be able to play it as fast as you want to <laughs> but you can fit it in there yeah um uh, but yeah, the uh, phenomenal musicians in their own right, like literally just almost everything's perfectly in tune. Um, everything is crisp, clean. Uh, but then there's some added comedy, you know, like the, yeah. the, the, tr- the, tr- um, the, sorry, the, uh, tr- yeah, the trombone player was made this joke that he is a Greek man who plays in a can- Canadian brass quintet who lives in the United States, who has a love of tango music <laughs> <laughs> that man is well cultured yes um and then they played a tango song so it was, it was pretty funny and then um let's see uh they played mr grinch which Naturally. is hilarious yeah. um uh 
and the tuba player was the Grinch, of course. Ah. Uh, the tuba player also like got on the ground at one point. And then played the tuba on the ground? Played the, yeah, he was literally like laying on the ground playing the tuba. Wow. And he's like a 70-year-old man, and so he's just playing the tuba on the ground. And then at the end of the song, for no reason whatsoever, one of the trumpets just does a nay, you know, <laughs> that they do in uh, Sleigh Ride, right? Yeah. The, the classic Sleigh Ride. Listen to any symphonic band or orchestra play that. The trumpet player does a horse sound at the end. A horse whinny. And they were not playing sleigh ride they were just playing some <laughs> random song and he just decided to end it with the horse neck <laughs> perfect um yeah and they filled i you know midland has a, a fairly good sized theater it's about 1500 people i think can fit in the theater it's a good size yeah that's that's yeah yeah it's a decent size and uh they filled it up i mean there had to be probably 1400 people there wow so good outcome yeah i uh i, I want to see a, a brass band live I, I do love brass band music. Um, I might have got you a little something, something, you know, ah. some, some, yeah, Canadian brass undergarments. I'm not going to say <laughs> what they are. <laughs> it's probably more a trumpet than it is a tuba. <laughs> uh, well, interesting thing from my week. It's well, one, I finished my first semester back of college. So, mm-hmm. That was really interesting to find out my grades too on that were, were awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll open another beer for that. You know what? I like your attitude. Do <laughs> you want these hands? <laughs> That's an inside uh, joke. We'll explain that someday. Yeah. Someday we got to we'll keep the mystery alive so that you keep listening so that you eventually find out about these hands, about these hands. <laughs> oh. We'll just bring uh, it up to like four episodes from now. You want to yeah. know about these hands? <laughs> yeah, not try, yet. Not yet, try, buddy. Try not to yet. Catch these hands. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking out of Stella Artois. Very classic. Yeah, you know? I've got another Bells because it's the Christmas pack. And so it's um, Scotch Ale. Ah. Not my favorite. It's basically a Christmas ale uh, is the name, but it's a Scotch Ale essentially. And so not my favorite. Good as a second beer, not as a first beer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm cracking out the, uh, the Stella because I feel like you only see Stella commercials during the winter time. So, well, cheers. <laughs> yeah, because Stella can't compete with Shandy. Anyway, so sorry. You were... <laughs> yes. Uh, so, finishing this interesting semester, yep. thing for my week. Uh, it was one, yeah, finishing that first semester. That was awesome. And then uh, I will say the first week of working three jobs all in one week was quite the, uh, quite the task. Uh, it, uh, it was a self-imposed in, struggle or yeah, suffering right it was <laughs> in 48 hours i had worked 30 of those hours so you know you can do the quick math and know that 18 hours of those 48 were spent not working uh now yeah so that was a, uh, it was an eye opener but uh, i'm happy I've, I've done it and mm-hmm. yeah so yeah uh besides that i mean my week was pretty much just as is just work and finishing up classes and I finished my Christmas shopping. So I'll pat myself on the back again. Ooh, there you go. That's I good. know. Um, but then, Andrew, the next question is, what have you learned? Ooh. Um, so I did learn. Um, uh, I did learn of one new book that I want to go for. Right. And that was your Crossroads book. Yep. Crossroads. Yep. So I, that definitely seems like something up my alley. It does. Um, and I will start to commute uh to work so i'm going to be listening to a lot of audiobooks nice yeah. i will say i know amazon can be a horrible company but audible is amazing i signed up for the audible 
Uh, so you get the weekly credit or sorry, the monthly credit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like 15 bucks a month for the subscription. That credit is included with your monthly subscription. And that credit gets you a book that's usually costing about 30 to $40. Um, so, so you get one book a month. One book Three. a month guaranteed. But then you also have the opportunity, which I just took part of today, you can buy three extra credits for about $35. Hmm. So it's about, it just, it's just over $11 a credit. Like I said, each book costs one credit and that's how it is. There's no book out there that costs two credits. It's not like some- Not yet, weird, not yet. Not yet, <laughs> but they all cost one credit. Mm -hmm. And so I just did that and now I can purchase the remainder of the Harry Potter, Harry Potter series and- also, I can purchase the next one that I want to listen to, which is the Band of Brothers. Uh, oh, God. I have read that book. It's an amazing book. Yes. Um, an incredible journey uh, for, for so, that group of people and, and really puts into, I mean, obviously, it's a little cleaner, right, than actual history. You have to yes. admit that clearly. It's a cleaned version of history, but it is incredible the, um, the struggles that that particular unit went through. Yes. And to see the casualty rate, um, yeah, which they do obviously describe in in the both the book and the miniseries, yes. Um, but to to see that and understand like what these people went through is is pretty incredible. So those are going to be the things or the books that I get with those credits. Uh, but also, what you can do is once you have that subscription, is it opens you up to a bunch of free books. Which one of the ones that I've got is the entire collection of Sherlock Holmes read by Stephen Fry. Nice. It's 62 hours long and I am within now 28 hours of finishing it. Huh. I had to give my, nice. I had to give myself a break of listening to Sherlock Holmes Yeah, yeah because yeah. I felt the magic starting to die. So uh -huh. I had to switch over to different books, but yeah, I will say the audible.com subscription is absolutely worth it. Even though Amazon can be a terrible company. Yeah. I, yeah. Got some opinions on Amazon, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, no, it is super convenient. Um, totally i think it is a monopoly and some something needs to be done but anyways not gonna get into that i um uh, my wife has actually been using um the library version right so yes. libraries actually do subscribe to i think libby is one platform um okay. and then there, uh, there might be a couple others but there's basically a few apps that libraries use and so you can just go down to your local library that you are um, you know, part of basically they will look at your driver's license and say, yep, you are in our jurisdiction. Basically you pay taxes to that to library gain and, those. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I don't know about the selection of audiobooks um, that they have that they hold, but, uh, that is an alternative. It's probably not going to be the newest stuff, but yeah, it's still, you, but still, it's, yeah, it's free. That's it's, it's entirely free. free. So, well, you pay for it with your, you tax pay money. for it. Yeah. Yeah. But and honestly, we should be encouraging people to go to the library more often because we need yeah, to So I'm going to try that first before I give in to the Amazon subscription. That's, but I do understand it is very appealing. I can it see is, it. It's very yeah. tempting to just download yeah. it right then and there. And right now, my car radio does not work anymore. Oh, like, no. Half the speakers have just like self-imploded. Oh, no. So basically, I can't listen to audiobook CDs anymore. So I wear my headphones and it's whatever I have on my <laughs> phone that I've been listening to. Ah. Yeah. understood yeah so well, now i've got car 21 pilots anyone 21 yeah, car pilots? radio car radio i was just thinking it 21 <laughs> yeah. pilots car radio and now oh. i just sit in silence <laughs> yep uh 
I've learned that Andrew has a very creative imagination, even if he doesn't always show it because he thinks about downhill skiing and snowball or paintballing at the same time. And he thinks that he could get at least some people's, you know, suspicions aroused at his workplace with that, which, oh yeah, I'm, I want to join. And then I've also actually learned a lot more about how Andrew reads books and that not to get him a fiction book, get him (laughs) nonfiction. Um, but no, then he I've, might I, he might listen to nonfiction. I uh, yeah, I'll I'll listen to uh I've listened to a couple of uh, fiction books. Um like Isaac um Asimov um iRobot. So oh. I've listened to that one through. So I've I and if I do listen or or if I do listen to one it, it's usually going to be um science fiction of some sort. Yeah. Star Trekky like, you know. <laughs> stuff like that. I did listen to the Harry Potter audiobooks. I did do that. That was a lot yeah. of fun. I did yep. enjoy that. Yeah, Jim Dale does a good job with those. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously the American version. <laughs> oh, I'd have the European version. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to the American version because, you know, <laughs> that's what was available. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, this has been fun. I'm glad we were able to record again. Me too. Listeners, thank you for sticking with us for an entire year. Uh, obviously, it's been a little longer than a year, but this is our first. This is our year mark. Boom. Thank you for sticking with us. And I will say we've had more people reach out towards the end of this year than we have the, you know, the last nine months. So I actually hear people talking to, uh, to me, people come up and they ask us when we're dropping more episodes. And so that's a good yeah. feeling to have. So, yeah. So our you. goals, our goals for this next year is one, Logan and I are going to read more books Yes, and we hope you all join us in that. And then yes. we are going to try, try our best to get two episodes every month two episodes every month it you know it it, please be patient with us as uh one of us is in school and the other one is in his his living his best life trying to get that house done and you know he's constructing yeah constructing his house (laughs) yes exactly by himself both of those are very yeah you should see me try to move a eight foot wall by myself and look (laughs) like a fucking dork (laughs) so just be patient with us we're doing our best uh, but thank you, listeners. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure being able to record these. Mm-hmm. Oh, Andrew, let's bring in the new year properly. Cheers. Toodles to 2021. Toodles. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Dude Scouts. Please validate our fragile selves by giving us a follow on Instagram or send us an email at dudescoutspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Toodles.